0: Chapter Eight of the History of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. History of Philosophy by William Turner. Greek Philosophy, Chapter Eight The Imperfectly Socratic Schools. Among those who felt the influence of the Socratic teaching, There were some who failed to appreciate the full meaning of the doctrine of the Master, and merely applied his moral precepts to practical questions. Of these the best known is Xenophon. There were two, Plato and Aristotle, who penetrated the speculative depths of Socrates thought, and developed his teaching into a broader and more comprehensive Socratic philosophy. There were still others who, addressing themselves to one or the other point of the teaching of Socrates, developed that point in conjunction with some elements borrowed from the pre-Socratic schools. These latter are known as the Imperfectly Socratic Philosophers. The following is the conspectus of the Imperfectly Socratic schools showing their derivation. Socratic Dialectics Megarian or Aristic Schools Euclid Electic Elements Elian School Phaedo Eleatic element. SOCRATIC ETHICS Cynics, Antisthenes, borrowed from Gorgias. Hedonus, Aristippus, borrowed from Protagoras. MEGARIAN SCHOOL The Megarian school, to which Euclid and Stilpo belonged, made Eleatic metaphysics the basis of a development of Socratic ethics. Euclid LIFE Euclid of Megara, the founder of this school, was a disciple of Socrates, and if the story told by Gallius be true, was so devoted to his teacher, that at a time when all Megarians were forbidden under pain of death to enter Athens, he would often steal into the city, in the obscurity of evening, in order to sit for an hour and listen to the old man eloquent. SOURCES We have no primary sources of information concerning the Megaric school, and our secondary sources are few and unsatisfactory. Schleiermacher, however has shown that the philosophers alluded to in plato's sophistes are the megarians if we make use of this passage of plato we have the following points of doctrine doctrines the starting point the megarians started with the socratic doctrine of concepts if intellectual knowledge is knowledge through concepts then the concept represents that part of a thing which never changes the development granted now that as parmenides taught change and becoming are inconceivable it follows that the unchangeable essences which concepts represent the bodiless forms a somata ide are the only reality and that the world of sense forms is an illusion connected with this denial of becoming is the assertion that the actual alone is possible for this we have the expressed testimony of aristotle THE DOCTRINE OF GOD The union of Socratic and Eleatic elements is further apparent in the Megaric doctrine of the good. The good, according to Socrates, is the highest object of knowledge. Being, too, as the Eleatics taught, is the highest object of knowledge. Euclid, therefore, considered himself justified in transferring to the good all that Parmenides had said about being. The good is one. Knowledge of the good is the only virtue though called by various names, prudence, justice, etc. The good is immutable. It is insight, reason, God. It alone exists. Eristic Method In order to defend their views, the Megarians availed themselves of the indirect method of proof. Following in this the example of Zeno. This method consists in refuting the arguments of hypotheses of one's opponent, and thus indirectly establishing one's own thesis later however the followers of euclid exceeded all precedent in their use of this method of strife and vied with the worst of the sophists in captious quibbling historical position this one-sided socratism takes for its starting point the socratic dialectic of concepts which it develops in union with eleatic doctrines by means of the method introduced by zeno and elia the elian school this school founded by phaedo the disciple of socrates so often mentioned in the platonic dialogues is virtually a branch of the megarian school it was removed from Elis to eritrea by Menandemus, died about 270 bc and was henceforth known as the eritrean school its doctrines are practically identical with those of euclid The Cynics. The doctrines of the Cynics were developed from Socratic ethics, which were combined with certain dialectical and rhetorical elements derived from the Eleatics and from Gorgias the Sophist. Antisthenes. Life. Antisthenes, the first of the Cynics, was born at Athens about the year 436 B.C. Early in life he associated himself with the Sophists, Becoming, according to Diogenes Laertius, a disciple of Gorgias, when therefore, after the death of Socrates, for whose teaching he had abandoned the company of the Sophists, Antisthenes set up a school of his own, he was merely returning to his old profession. The school which he established met in the gymnasium of Sinosarges, whence, according to some writers, comes the name of the school, although it is not less probable. But the name was originally a nickname Cunes, given to the cynics because of their well-known disregard for social conventionalities indeed it is said that antisthenes who happened to resemble socrates in personal appearance imagined that he heightened the resemblance by perverting the socratic doctrine of moderation and abstentiousness into something bordering on a savage indifference to everything decent He must not, however, be held accountable for the extravagances of the latter cynics. Of these the best known are Diogenes of Sinope, Crates, Mendemus, and Menippus. Sources Our knowledge of the doctrines of the cynics is derived entirely from secondary sources. Chief among these are Diogenes, Lertius, Stobius, Sectus Empiricus, and some of the church fathers, such as Clement of Alexandria. Doctrines. The cynics were opposed to all culture except in so far as culture may be made to foster virtue. They were likewise opposed to logical and physical inquiries, though they themselves could not wholly avoid such questions. They strove, however, to make their logic and physics subservient to the investigation concerning virtue, which they considered to be the paramount problem of philosophy. Logic. According to Antisthenes, definition is the expression of the essence of a thing the only definition however which Antithenes admits is the setting forth of the component parts of a thing the simple cannot be defined he opposed the platonic theory of ideas using it is said the following argument o platon ippon men horo hypotheta de horo to which plato is said to have answered what you say is true for you possess the eye of the body with which you see the horse, but you lack the mental eye by which the concept of horse is perceived. Antisthenes then believed that the individual alone is real, from which it follows that identical judgments alone are valid. Everything should receive its own name, and no other. We may say man is human, or the good is good, but we may not say that man is good whence as aristotle and plato expressly tell us the cynics concluded that contradiction is impossible and that all propositions are equally true the practical import of this nominalism is seen in the use which the cynics made of the dialectical method of the sophists ethics according to socrates virtue is the highest good according to antisthenes virtue is the only good and vice the only evil, everything else riches, honors, freedom, health, life, poverty, shame, slavery, sickness, and death is indifferent. The greatest of all errors is to suppose that pleasure is good. I had rather be mad, Athenian said, than to be glad. Now, the essence of virtue is self control that is, independence of all material and accidental needs against all the needs of body and mind. The cynics strove to harden themselves by renouncing not only pleasure and comfort, but also family, society, and religion. The virtuous man is truly wise. He alone is godlike. Wisdom is an armor which no temptation can pierce, a fortress that cannot be assailed. Consequently, he who has once attained wisdom can never cease to be virtuous. HISTORICAL POSITION the philosophy of the cynics is a one sided development of Socratic teaching. The direction which this development took was due less to the logical exigencies of the Socratic premises from which it was deduced than to the peculiar character of the founder of the school. Antisthenes was by temperament narrow minded and obstinate, impervious to culture, a man of strong will, but of mediocre intellectual ability. He was, we are told, rebuked by Plato for his lack of polish. The ostentatious asceticism which he introduced degenerated as time went on into positive indecency, and it was not until Stoicism appeared and absorbed what was left of the cynic school that mental culture was restored to its place in practical philosophy. Cyrenaic School This school is called hedonistic. From the prominence which it gave to the doctrine that pleasure is the only good, it is also called Cyrenaic from the city of Cyrene, where it first appeared. Aristippus, life. Aristippus, to whom the fundamental doctrines of the school are traced, was born at Cyrene about the year four thirty five b c. This date, however, is by no means certain. Attracted by the personal character of Socrates, He went to athens in order to become a member of the socratic school he had previously made acquaintance with the doctrines of the sophists through the writings of protagoras after the death of socrates he taught in several cities indeed he seems to have spent a great part of his life wandering about without any fixed abode although it is probable that in his old age he returned to his native city and there established his school among the disciples of aristippus the best known are his daughter arete and his grandson aristippus the younger or the mother taught sources the history of the Cynic philosophy like that of the teaching of the cynics is based on secondary authorities chiefly on the works of diogenes cicero sextus empiricus and clement of alexandria we possess none of the writings of the early Cynics indeed it is sometimes even questioned whether it was aristippus the founder of the school or his grandson the mother taught, who first reduced cyreniac doctrines to a system doctrines the attitude of the cyreniacs towards the study of logic and physics was one of hostility they agreed with the cynics in regarding all speculation as idle unless it had reference to the study of ethics by which the happiness of man is secured but they differed from them in their attempt to define the nature of happiness for the cynic virtue is the only happiness for the sereniac pleasure is a good in itself and virtue is good only as a means to enjoyment the central doctrine of hedonism is therefore that pleasure and pleasure alone constitutes the happiness of man for the sereniac argued after the manner of protagoras that is true which seems to be true we can know only the feelings or impressions which things produce upon us of things in themselves we can know nothing the production therefore of certain feelings is all that we can accomplish by action consequently that is good which can produce in us the most pleasant feelings pleasure was defined by the syreniacs as gentle motion it is however at least an inaccuracy on cicero's part when he says that by pleasure the syreniacs understood mere bodily pleasure aristippus explained his pleasure doctrine in terms which are descriptive of mental emotion as well as of bodily enjoyment it is true that the Sereniac spoke of pleasure as consisting in gentle motion the word emotion would perhaps convey their meaning much better than the word commonly employed on the other hand it must be admitted that according to Sereniac principles all pleasure is conditioned by bodily pleasure or at least by organic states this is implied in the theory of knowledge which the syreniacs derived from the teaching of protagoras we must be careful moreover to distinguish between the hedonism of aristippus who by pleasure denoted a passing emotion and the hedonism of his later followers who understood by pleasure something akin to the epicurean notion of a state or permanent condition of painlessness. Pleasure, then, is the only good. Knowledge, culture, and even virtue are desirable only as means by which pleasure is attained. Virtue restrains us from that excess of emotion which is passion. Passion being violent is painful, and on that account to be avoided. We should possess our pleasures without being possessed by them. Exo, whose exami, as Aristippus said. So too, a man of sense will obey the laws of the country and conform to the usages of society, because he judges that his failure to do so would result in a preponderance of pain over pleasure. Diogenes Lertius gives an account of the later Cyreniacs, who, like Theodorus and Hegesius, deemed it necessary to tone down the crudities of hedonism as taught by Aristippus. Theodorus maintained that man's highest happiness is a state of cheerfulness zyra while hegesius called the death persuader taught that the aim of man's actions should be to attain a state of indifference to all external things in this final form it was easy for hedonism to pass over into the stoic school historical position the development of the syreniac philosophy like that of the cynic doctrine was due more to the personal character of the founder of the school And to the social atmosphere of the city where the school was founded, than to the requirements of the Socratic system from which it arose. Socrates, it is true, taught that happiness is the aim of action, but the doctrine that happiness consists in momentary pleasure is Socraticism woefully perverted. Know thyself was the gist of Socratic teaching. Yes, know thyself, taught Aristippus in order that thou mayest know to what extent thou canst indulge in the pleasures of life without exceeding the limit where pleasure becomes pain the application is surely more in accord with the materialistic subjectivism of the sophists than with the socratic principles from which the Cynic philosophy claimed to be derived retrospect the imperfectly socratic schools grew up side by side without any affiliation to one another they are thus relatively independent each carrying out along its own line of development some point of socratic teaching they are essentially incomplete because they are based on an imperfect understanding of the spirit of socratic philosophy still their influence immediate immediate on subsequent thought must not be underestimated the megarians in their doctrine of bodiless forms foreshadowed the platonic theory of ideas and both Antisthenes and Aristippus influenced the Platonic doctrine of the highest good. But important as was their immediate influence, the immediate influence of these schools was still more important. The age of Socrates was one that called for great constructive efforts. It was an age that could appreciate Plato and Aristotle rather than Aristippus and Antisthenes. Later, however, there came a time when the political condition of Greece was such that men could well be persuaded to withdraw from the world of sense from the problems of being and becoming in order to adopt a self-centralized culture as the only means of happiness it was then that the influence of the imperfectly socratic schools was felt the stoa adopted substantially the moral teachings of the cynics the scepticism of pyro and the academics sprang from the doctrines of the megarians while the school of epicurus renewed hedonistic ethics by teaching a system identical in its principal tenets with the philosophy of the Sereniacs. there is thus no continuity of development through these intercalary schools to plato and aristotle plato entering into the spirit of socratic philosophy more fully than the imperfect disciples had done expanded the socratic doctrine of concepts into the theory of ideas and gave to socratic ethics a broader foundation AND A MORE ENDURING CONSISTENCY. END OF CHAPTER EIGHT